Welcome to the Real Life Resilience Podcast. Stories of recovery from life's most difficult trauma with Stacy Brookman. I want you to be raw, unfiltered, and uncensored with me. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to hear you as is. I create a protective shield over my clients who are hurt, broken, or lost, and allow them to have a safe place to be vulnerable and start healing. And I can be their champion for them during that time period until they're strong enough on their own to be their own champion again. And I just never want anyone to feel alone in this world with how they feel. Hey guys, this is Stacy, and I'm glad you're listening to Real Life Resilience, the only podcast that connects you with the world's best resources for becoming a resilient person. Our guest today is life coach Matt Gagnon, and he believes that everyone has an epic life story to be told. And no matter where your journey leads you, it's never too late to write your own comeback story. If you're going through a transition right now or have recently gone through one, listen up. He believes that your ability to be vulnerable is your greatest strength. But before we dive in, I'd like to take 30 seconds to share something that may change your life. You've always been a strong person, stronger than you realize actually. But sometimes, thinking about the past unearths emotions and memories that are painful. Let us take you step by step through discovering your life story and the wisdom and healing power that it holds. Register now for Stacy's next free webinar where she reveals the four simple, proven methods to writing the first chapter of your life story this week. Simply click on the link in the show notes or head to stacybrookman.com slash webinar. I hope you'll join me for that. By the way, I love to hear from our listeners personally and I answer my own emails. So drop me a line and let me know what you found interesting in this episode or to ask me a question. My email is stacy at stacybrookman.com. Now, let's welcome Matt Gagnon. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. You work with people in your life story coaching and development. Tell me a little bit about your business side and what, what you do for people there. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the business side of it really came to light, I'd say. It was, it was September 29th of 2014. When uh, I declared myself a life coach, uh, it was my first class that I went to with the Coaches Training Institute CTI, and I'll tell you what it felt like just the greatest day of validation for me because it wasn't like I learned anything new in that first class, but it validated that what I had been doing in my past was on the right track, and I was like, I found my home. These are my people. And I knew that I'd be able to better serve others. Since that time period, I started working with clients and serving others through that process. And what led me to it really was just my own personal journey in life and how really since I was a little kid, mediating and serving others was always a part of my life at some point or another. But now it's coming to life. And what sort of thing do you do with folks as far as life story coaching? Do you coach them to tell their story or to discover their story? Or Mm -hmm. what exactly do you do? I help people through transition periods in life. And I've learned to understand the power of storytelling. That for somebody to help them articulate what's going on inside them is a really powerful thing because for the first time they're hearing themselves say certain things about their story out loud and they're learning that they do have a very special story the first thing that i always establish with all of my clients is is that i want you to be raw unfiltered and uncensored with me i'm not here to judge i'm here to hear you as is 
So they get to strip away all the layers and the corporate talk or whatever things are there. And we get to the essence of their real story. And they, they, for some people, they actually get to hear their real voice for the first time. And we have the second rule really is never minimize your experience. And I mean that by saying, don't ever say to yourself like, oh, there's other people out there have had it way worse than me. I don't want you to minimize that. It's your story. If it's right. the most difficult experience you've ever experienced, then that, that's it for you. It's important. So I help people through that. I imagine when people come to you and they get that from you and they're able to express that, that could be some of the, sometimes the very first time where they had that freedom to express themselves, be raw and open and, and unfiltered. Because <laughs> you know, I think we, we all go about our lives completely filtered, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Most of us. No, it's, it's such an interesting thing because it takes a little while for it to kick in. And part of the alliance I have with my clients is, is that I'll, I'll call it out. If I hear something that doesn't sound a hundred percent like they're owning it, you know, we'll call it out and say, is that what you really mean? Mm -hmm. But after a while, boy, the lid comes off and uh, the walls come tumbling down and, and there they are as vulnerable as can be expressing themselves. And they're seeing the power and strength in their vulnerability versus what they thought was weakness and fear. How do you help folks find their life story? What's like the first step? First step really is in one of the first sessions I have with a client, after we do kind of a, an introduction sample to see if coaching and this process is going to work for them, we have the official session, which is a discovery session. And that's really kind of like a 90 minute to two hour long session it's the longest one we'll usually have. And during that time, I have them answer some questions ahead of time about their life. And we kind of go through it. They tell me everything about themselves and their experience in life that they want me to know right up front. And that allows us also to kind of design what our relationship's going to look like. Because I customize the relationship with each client differently. It's, it's mm -hmm. all designed for their needs. So through that discovery session, we really hear the story starting to come together. Like certain chapters are already starting to rise to the surface. And there are some that are missing in between, but that's okay. This is a process that takes time. And we find basically the place of resonance first. Like what chapter in their life is resonating, is on their heart right now. It's, it's a beautiful process. And sometimes there are parts of their lives that they're thankful for and they'd never want to uh, go back and write again. <laughs> and there mm -hmm. are some that they wish they could keep writing forever. It's really interesting how you do that because that's the way I teach people to write about their lives. You don't just start from the beginning and write all the way towards, mm. to the end. You, you start with what resonates the most. Yeah, That may be the beginning, that may be the end, that may be current. Start with what's resonating with you right now Yeah, and tell that story and get it out on paper. Now, how do you encourage people to get that story out? Is it verbally by talking or do they, do your clients write down their story? So that's what I found really fascinating with what you do is you show the power and almost the safety too, I, I, I felt in writing it and actually mm -hmm. typing it out, right, handwriting it, journaling. And I agree with you on that. And I, I took a different approach with it in the beginning. And I've created a safe place for them to be able to start articulating it mm -hmm. because the, just the power of them saying it and hearing them say it, because I'm 
paraphrasing a lot of it back to them. Right. Sometimes there are aha moments just in hearing their story. But what I do encourage is as I'm helping them articulate it, I'm also encouraging them afterwards to journal. Sometimes after you share something for the very first time or you haven't told many people and you've been vulnerable, you put yourself out there, you might feel that real high, that rush of like, wow, I can't believe I just said that. I feel so good that somebody heard me. And then the session ends and all of a sudden shame shows up. And it's that feeling of like, I can't believe I just said that. Oh, I feel so embarrassed. I wonder what he's thinking about me right now. That saboteur shows up, starts talking to you. And so I encourage my clients. I always tell them, I say, look, if you start hearing that, I want you to start journaling, write it down. Shoot me a text message if you want, because I can validate that that saboteur voice is wrong. Right. And I I encourage them to journal and they can send it to me if they want. I do encourage them. Like, if you want to send me your journaling after a session or any time in between, by all means, I'll always read it. But if you want me to respond to it, just put it right in there at the bottom. You know, would love your feedback on that. So I, I make myself accessible to my clients in between sessions through unlimited text and email and uh, even the occasional quick, you know, five minute touch base if needed. It's, it's all part of the process. That's really interesting. You coach people through transitions. So like what type of transitions do people reach out to you for? Mm-hmm. To help them through. Boy, transition, I found, was a very fancy way of saying everything. Because <laughs> 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 they said, you know, in the beginning, well, you can't coach everything because you have to have a niche. Well, transition, I mean, when are we not in some sort of transition in so life? True. You know, what I do find is that a lot of people will come to me first with career goals. That's mm-hmm. almost the safe way to get into coaching. For some people, it's like, I'd like to really focus on my next promotion, but we never end up really talking about it. It goes straight into, here's what's going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's where the real work gets done. And then the promotion happens. So really interesting process. Yeah, you're right. Every, everything is essentially a transition and it's all tied together. I mean, your life is not just X and Y and Z. It's the the entire alphabet, right? And sometimes there's multiple transitions going on in, in one's life at any given time based on their circumstances. But some of the specific things that have come my way is I've worked a lot with body image issues with both men and women. I've worked with marriage issues, specifically with infidelity. I've uh, uh, helped people find their way forward through addiction. Mm. There's also the career development piece. Sometimes there's just the finding their voice and understanding what their feelings are is another transition. There's so many different, unique, and special transitions that people are going through in life. And I feel so humbled that they allow me in that space with them during a very vulnerable time. There's also even transitions of thought processes too. Almost everybody has those thought process transitions where you're you're going from a, I, I can't do this, or I can't handle this to, yes, I can, or from one way of thinking to another that's more successful for them. That's where the health benefits come in. You you really nailed it. In so many ways, coaching is a lot like taking your mind to the gym because I've always been into fitness. But when I started coaching, I really started to understand the strain it puts on your own mind, your brain, by having to think differently. 
through the questions, how you're processing things. It's it's actually creating new neural pathways coaching. And there's there's a lot of studies on that. And actually CTI has done several where they've seen the health benefits through coaching on creating those new neural pathways. And for an example, it's always about finding the way forward in coaching where therapy might spend more time on the origin and the genesis of the situation. We really focus on the way forward. And through that process, we'll ask questions instead of saying, well, what's holding you back? Well, we'll reframe that and say, what needs to happen for you to move forward? What do you need to do to achieve your goal? And it's that positive thinking. And you talked a little bit about shame showing up. And I know that prevents a lot of people from talking about their lives, going to a life coach and writing about their life. Tell me, how do you get people beyond that shame? You know, it's a, uh, it's a delicate process. It's having the ability to earn that trust from your client. And sometimes it's, it just is in a matter of time, but it's also knowing when to dance in the moment, really, as we call it in, uh, in our co-active model with your client to almost hold the space for them and make them feel safe. You can sense that there's some uncomfortable feelings that they've gotten into something now where shame or saboteur or something awkward is there and present. And it's just, you know, reaffirming to them that they're in a safe place, that it's, it's all right. They can share, they can process it. So eventually it does start to come out. And sometimes it comes out a lot faster than you'd think. Once people feel that you are there for them, the walls come down. Well, I imagine it's kind of like that unconditional love that we're all searching for. Yeah. That the hero, that somebody will pick us up and really know (laughs) about us, right? Yeah. We can expose everything to, and we're still okay after that. You are touching on like probably one of my core values and beliefs around this whole process. That goes to what my life purpose statement really is. And it's something that, that came to me over time, but it's the reason why I do coaching. Uh, is it all right if I share it with you? Yes, right. please do. So for me, my life purpose statement and the core reason I focus on the life coaching portion of it is I am the courageous heart that passionately beats to empower the hurt broken and lost. So when you tell me that you're kind of being someone's champion, during a difficult time. That's it, really. I create a protective shield over my clients who are hurt, broken, or lost, or wherever they are in life, and allow them to have a safe place to be vulnerable and start healing. And I can be their champion for them during that time period until they're strong enough on their own to be their own champion again. And I just never want anyone to feel alone in this world with how they feel. That's very exciting. You mentioned co-active. What is that exactly? Yeah, coactive is really a style of coaching. It's working together. This just isn't me sitting there the whole time during the session directing the client, you know, around and what to do. They're doing most of the work too. It's a give and take relationship. They're contributing, I'm contributing. But you're there to support them. 100%. That's what makes it work. I'm there to really articulate what's going on, what's not being said. And what's being said in a nonverbal way, sometimes you can just pick up those things. And just by calling it out, sometimes something really cool comes out of that, that the client didn't know was going on. And I just love that bouncing ideas off of somebody and being able to have a partner or a coach through some of those difficult times. 
is incredibly valuable. Absolutely. The whole coactive model really focuses around the concept that each person, each client is naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. And that's how I treat every client, that they are naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. And through that process and through their storytelling, you know, there'll be times where we'll just kind of dance in the moment with it. Wow. What a fun job to have. Now, you're also writing a book. Yeah, actually, it's a collaboration book. So I'm just one of 14 authors that were selected contributing a chapter to it. The one that I'm working with is the My Now for the Future Man. And this is really a group of 14 male authors, all contributing separate chapters about men's issues. And it really connected with me. And uh, so my focus has really been around fatherhood. Mm -hmm. I have a two-year-old son and he's my inspiration. Uh, he's I feel like I was born to be a dad. I, I love it more than anything on earth. And my father was my best friend. And so it's really a chapter about a father's legacy and a passing of a torch because my dad, I, I lost him about a month after my son was born. So very special and close to my heart. Really, it's the story about understanding that you can have an amazing father or parenting experience, even through the most difficult of situations. And my parents were divorced shortly after I was born. And, you know, I lived with my mom and my half sister and we moved a good 90 minutes away from my dad. And my dad, he for for 10 years there where we lived about 90 minutes away and sometimes longer, depending on the harsh, cold Maine winters, he would drive every Wednesday to visit me for two hours and then drive back another 90 minutes, never complained. And then he would do the same trip again every other weekend to pick me up. So I'd spend the weekend with him and was just always there. But as a kid, you just didn't, you don't recognize that there's some superhero stuff going on at that moment. I mean, he was working for a housing authority as a maintenance man. He was very humble and he, he was working directly for his ex-mother-in-law. Oh, wow. What an interesting situation. Um, right. But still, everyone was kind of pulling together, remaining friends for the love of me, my family. Uh, it was it was beautiful and t challenging and difficult. But as I got older in life, I really started to see like how special that was. And becoming a father myself, I can't imagine what it was like for my dad to physically only be allowed to be a part-time father, but emotionally he was all in. And maybe it was because physically he was restrained where he couldn't you know, have full custody of me and wasn't living under the same roof that just made him dial into the emotional part even more. But he was just an amazing man. He was a funny guy. He taught me a lot of different skills. He taught me definitely the joy of laughter and music. To this day, I still listen to only vinyl records from 65 to 75. That's my wheelhouse of, of rock. When my son was born, for the first year of his life, I played a different album for him every every month until he was a year old and now we just play stuff all the time but you know we started with the beatles at a month old and we worked our way up through a, an eclectic choice of music selection of music and it's just really about that special journey and that that one moment we had you know it was sitting on the couch after he was born and my dad's holding my son and he's got his arm around me and it was uh it was perfect yeah i'd never been so happy 
it's still to this day, I'm so thankful I got to have that moment with him before he left this world. And the real essence of it too, though, is that is really that um, there was nothing left unsaid. They always talk about tell the people you love, you love them now, or else, you know, when they're gone, they're gone. For me, there was nothing left unsaid between us. We said, I love you. We said that we respected each other as men. I was able to thank him earlier in life for, for all the great things that he did. We were starting to know each other as men at this stage in life. And then he was there for the birth of my son. Uh, I couldn't have asked for a more beautiful gift. I got to say, I love you one more time the night before he passed. And he passed away of a, a massive heart attack the next day. And no one saw it coming. But I had that gift. I just miss him like crazy now. Yeah. Was there a particular point in your life where you realized his legacy to you, where you just started to recognize it? You know, it's a great question. I started to recognize this legacy piece more towards my junior and senior year of high school. I was really starting to become the young adult and very active in the community. And he was providing more guidance and, and advice to me. And Sometimes I didn't want to hear it, <laughs> but uh, I really started to understand though, because I, I got my license and I started making the drive to visit him on, on the weekends during those drives. That was, that was my quiet time. And I really started to think about what it was like for him. It just really made me thankful. And so when I went to college in the same town where my dad lived, a great experience to finally be closer to home. I started to understand at that point, but it wasn't really until from the age of 25 to 30, I went through some, some really challenging times in life and it wasn't very public. It's not like a lot of people knew that I was going through difficult stuff. He was just there for me no matter what. Even when he could sense something wasn't right, he was just still there loving me. And so by the time I turned 30 and started really living my life in the light again, and I decided that's when the concept for me came why can't I write my own comeback story in life? I love these kinds of movies. Why can't I be a comeback story? Right. I got with my dad and I told him about what was going on in life. And I saw him in a whole different way, though. It was a great experience. And I'm thankful that we had a few years there where we were just really connected. You talked about your comeback story. And when I asked you if you had anything to give away to our guests, you said that your giveaway is an idea. So share your idea with us. Mm. Yeah, the idea that I really want people to sit with and think about is no matter where you are in life, no matter what chapter you're in, no matter what your age is, it's never too late to follow your passion. It's never too late to try and live a dream. It's never too late if you've been down and out to write your own comeback story. How that came to fruition for me, my personal story was really simple after coming out of a difficult time in life also came a lot of weight gain. As I was kind of purging, it felt like a lot of the stuff inside me that I was working through started physically almost coming out of me and bulked up to about 250 pounds. And for me at 5'10", that's a pretty large frame. I was going to the gym at three in the morning because I didn't want anyone to see me. I was ashamed. I was so ashamed of what I had done to myself. Even though I was trying to do the right thing now, I just was embarrassed. I didn't want people to see me. I didn't want to see me because every time I saw the mirror, it was just a malicious attack from my own voice. It wasn't until one night working out, I look over and there's, there's another man working out at 3 a.m. And he must have been 400 pounds. And it really clicked with me. I was like, 
we're we're no different. We're here for the same reasons. The shame we're feeling isn't a number on the scale. It's how we feel. So that's when the idea clicked. I was like, I can write my own comeback. I've seen this stuff. I can do it. So I'm going to start living my life in the light. I'm going to make it known. I'm going to focus on me and what my comeback needs to look like. And I'm going to live it in front of the world. And that's when I started just taking charge with my own faith and spirituality and the support system around me. And I made it a public comeback, just leading it and living it through example and seeing how that started to serve others. Well, I love that. It's never too late to follow your passion in life and write your own comeback story. Fabulous. Well, Matt, thank you so much for sharing your experience and allowing us some insight into your life and what you do. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share this space with you. Welcome to Stacy's Journal. In this segment, I let you peek into my journal as I share my thoughts on a topic or resilience resource. I really enjoyed this interview with Matt because I gained huge insights into what a life coach can ultimately do. They help you move your own roadblocks out of the way. And how valuable is that? Since we're all naturally creative, resourceful, and whole, a life coach brings out the best in us at a critical time, a time when we can't see or bring out the best in ourselves. They help us take our past and our present and create a much better future. It's a gift. I especially enjoyed the philosophy that it's never too late to follow your own passion, to live your dream, and to write your own comeback story. Stop and think for a minute. If you were to write your comeback story, starting from where you are right now, what would it look like? It might be worth spending 20 or 30 minutes writing that out. Go ahead, put your dreams and desires and your passions down on paper and write your own comeback story. I'd love to hear what those are. Head over to our Facebook page and share those in the comment section for this episode. Well, that's all we have for today. In the last episode, Kathy Gruber discussed conquering stress through writing. So if you're going through some stress right now or have recently been stressed, you might want to go back and have a listen. Next week, we'll interview Evan Hansen, who wrote Two Journeys to Manhood. Before you go, don't forget to go and register for the upcoming webinar, Four Simple Proven Methods to Writing the First Chapter of Your Life Story in Just Seven Days. Head over to stacybrookman.com webinar for that. Oh, and one more thing. We're doing something fun and counting down the 100 plus most important memoirs of the past 200 years. So our memoir of the day comes from George Orwell. It's called Down and Out in Paris and London, written in 1933. This memoir in two parts narrates without self-pity and often with humor the adventures of a penniless British writer. The first part is an account of living in near destitution in Paris and experiencing casual labor in restaurant kitchens. The second part is a travelogue of life on the road around London from a tramp's perspective with descriptions of some of the characters to be found living in the margins. Check out all the memoirs on this list at stacybrookman.com slash 100 memoirs, 100 memoirs. Remember, it's never too late to tell your stories. 